Beautiful singing tonight. Wonderful to be here once again. Uh, it's been a short week, and that's just how it goes. I've really had a wonderful time, and I hope you have too. I hope the things we study have been profitable to you and for you. And I hope that tonight is a study that benefits you and that helps you and will bless you in some way. If you're visiting here, once again, we've had visitors every service. We're grateful that you're here. We thank you for coming. We hope you'll come back. We hope you'll be blessed by being a part of this service. So we talked about the lake of fire last night. And today, this evening, we're going to talk about the glory of his power. And so we've used a few of these passages. And I hope that doesn't seem redundant or become redundant. I hope they segue one to another in a way that helps us in understanding What's going to happen at the end? In the book of 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 7, he says, And to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. Now maybe you're thinking, Brother Sean, you said it's going to be more positive. This don't sound too positive, but I want to key on a phrase, and I don't know if you're like me, but as I read and study from time to time, I study and read a passage that I've read many times, and for some reason, something just jumps out, and that happened to me one day, the glory of His power. And so I ask you tonight to think about the glory of God for just a little while, and I would ask you to try to define that, and I will give you a moment to think, a very short definition in your mind, what do you think the word glory means? I have a word that comes to my mind. And as we study, I think it'll become evident. It's not the easiest word, perhaps, to define. I have found in my study there are levels of glory. There are levels. I believe we see the glory of God every day. I believe we feel it, we witness God's glory in some way every day. I honestly think without it we couldn't live. But to understand it, we must understand there's levels in different ways. Psalms 19 verse 1, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament showeth His handiwork. And for me, I don't know, I, I see a beautiful sunset, I can't help but think of God. To me, it's, it's evident how wonderful He is, and how beautiful it is. Or perhaps it's a starry sky, or it might even be a rainbow that I see, and it reminds me of a little bit of God's glory. But He describes it to us as the heavens declare. It says to us, there is a God. There is order, and there is precision, and there is a Creator. And it says something to us if we can look at it in such a way. 
So I, from time to time, look at definitions, and I, I think we could go too deep. We could get too hung up on those things. But I want to show you a definition from Strong's of the word glory. And it is, well, glory, as very apparent in a wide application, literally or figuratively, objectively or subjectively, dignity, glory, honor, praise, worship. And honestly, it don't, it don't clear it up a whole lot. My one word answer, or you may have a two or three word answer, is honor. That was what I, th- I think of when I think glory. Typically, I think honor. And that, and that may not be what you thought of. But I want to look at Thayer's because I was really trying to figure this out. And so I turned to Thayer's and I began to read and it says opinion, judgment, or view. And I thought, well, I'm in the wrong place. I've got the wrong one. But no, it's not. It's right. Glory can mean an opinion, judgment, or view. And number two is opinion or estimate, whether good or bad, concerning someone. In the New Testament, always a good opinion concerning one resulting in praise, honor, and glory. And then the third one, he shifts gears, splendor or brightness of the moon, sun, and stars. Magnificence, excellence, preeminence, dignity, grace, majesty. We'll keep going. The kingly majesty which belongs to him as supreme ruler, Majesty in the sense of the absolute perfection of the deity. If you haven't noticed, there can be wordy. And I guess he's a little wordy. It's a hard thing maybe to pin down. The, the next one, a thing belonging to Christ is glorious. The kingly majesty of the Messiah. The absolute perfect inward or personal excellence of Christ. The majesty. Or of the angels. Apparent in their exterior brightness. A most glorious condition. A most exalted state. Of that condition with God the Father in heaven. To which Christ was raised after he had achieved his work on earth. And finally, the glorious condition of blessedness. Into which is appointed and promised. That true Christians shall enter after the Savior's return from heaven. Well, I know that's a lot. It's a lot of stuff. But I hope I can back some of this up. And I can't cover all of that. I don't even want to. There are levels of glory. For instance, 1 Corinthians 15, verse 40, there are celestial bodies and terrestrial bodies. The glory of the celestial is one. The glory of the terrestrial is another. There is one glory of the sun, another glory of the moon, and another glory of the stars. For one star differeth from another star in glory. And we see that. The the sun is brilliant and it's beautiful in stars. And I don't know if you've ever gone out and seen a star streak across the sky and fall to the earth. And it's a brilliant thing and it's bright. And I don't know about you, but I can't help but look at that and see God's glory. Or maybe it's the dew on the grass. Or frost. Or maybe something else very small. Because the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows His handiwork. And I don't know, there's just little things that I see and I can't help but think, there's God. God is here. 
Brother D. Till and I was up in Seattle about 20 years ago. And we went to a museum. And I don't know if you remember it, D, but we walked in. The front of this museum had a big glass, you know, chandelier. And the light was coming in. And there was a spider web from way up at the top. And it came all the way down. And the sun just shined in and hit it. And just it just lit up. And there's Dean. He says, look there, God done that. And there was some other fellow in there, and he said, I don't believe it. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know how a spider does it. But he does it. And we see these things, and, and we might describe them as brilliance or brightness. And that might be the definition. Luke chapter 5, verse 22 Luke 5, 22. When Jesus perceived their thoughts, He answered and said to them, Why are ye reasoning in your hearts? Which is easier to say, Your sins are forgiven you, or to say, Rise up and walk? But that you may know that the Son of Man has power on earth to forgive sins, He said to the man who was paralyzed, I say to you, Arise, take up your bed, and go to your house. Immediately He rose up before them, took up what He had been lying on, departed into his own house, glorifying God. And they were all amazed, and they glorified God, and were filled with fear, saying, We have seen strange things today. They had a good opinion, didn't they? They saw something wonderful. I'd a lot rather see that than a spider. They saw something that was terrific, and they had a good opinion of Jesus for the miracle that He did. And they were amazed at that thing, and they glorified God. In the book of John, chapter 11, Lazarus has died, and it's been several days now, and Jesus loved Lazarus. And He comes there to the family, to Mary and to Martha, and Jesus says, Take away the stone. And Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said, Lord... By this time, there is a stench. And I don't, I don't really know why all this is information is here, but for to help us see the power of our God, to help us understand the power of Jesus. Because Lazarus wasn't a little bit dead. He was really dead. All the way dead. Don't open, don't open it, Lord. He's been dead four days, Jesus. You're too late. Well, they sent for him. They had sent word, come. He's sick. Please come help him. And they were waiting. They were hoping, just as we would, please come help our loved one. You're too late, Jesus. You're four days. You're too late. And Jesus said, Did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was laying, and Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you have heard me, and I know that you always hear me, but because of the people who are standing by, I said this, that they may believe that you sent me. Now when he had said these things, he cried with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And what did they see? They saw the glory of God. 
They saw the glory of God. And I want to tell you something, and I, you probably know it. They tried to kill Lazarus. The Jews did. Because what he was as a living, breathing man who was dead was a testimony that Jesus is the Son of God. They hated him. And they tried to kill the man. And so there's levels of glory. This certainly, to me, is much more glorious than spiderweb. It's, it's much more wonderful than a man who's paralyzed being able to walk. That's pretty good. <laughs> you never live that down. Okay. Get reset. Number two. God's power is glorious. It's wonderful. It's magnificent. It's, it's majesty. And we don't think about it maybe in that way. The book of Exodus chapter 33 verse 18. And, and this is Moses. And Moses is talking to God. And wouldn't that be a wonderful thing to sit there and visit with God? And Moses says to God, please show me your glory. I want to see it. You've been talking and having this conversation, and you know, you've seen the burning bush and all those things. Please show me your glory. And God says, I will make all my goodness pass before you. And I will proclaim the name of the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on whom I will have compassion. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no man shall see me and live. Can't see me. If, if you see me, you'll die. And here's Moses going, I want to see, see. You know, I remember as a little kid, my dad would do some welding, and he'd go, don't you look at this, don't look at it. Okay. I want to see. And here's Moses begging God, I want to see. And he says, look, here's what we're going to do. In verse 21, here's a place by me, and you shall stand on the rock. So it shall be when my glory passes by that I will put you in the cleft of the rock and I will cover you with my hand while I pass by. Then I will take away my hand and you shall see my back, but my face shall not be seen. And I, I don't know what he saw. He covered him up and he shielded him some way. And if you see me, you'll die. Did you ever pass out for pain? You know, had a good friend back home. He invited this little girl on a date. She accepted in those days. In my part of the world, a date, you went to a movie and you went out to eat and that was a date. And so he picked her up and they went and ate and they went to the movie and whatnot. And they, he took her home and they, he walked her up to the door because that's what a polite young man does. And standing at the door, they kissed and she fainted. And he caught her. And he said, I drug her. <laughs> and I rang the doorbell. And he said, I thought, what am I going to tell her dad? And I guess he's a pretty good kisser. I don't know. I never kissed him. But I do know this. She couldn't handle it. You know, we, we think about God. 
We, we can't handle seeing God. We, it'd kill us. And if we were happy to see God, we couldn't stand it for the joy. And if we were scared to death, we couldn't stand it for the fear. And so God reveals, I don't know what, the back, my back, King James says, the hinder parts. I don't know what it was. But I want to go to the next uh, chapter, 34, verse 28. So he, Moses, was there with the Lord forty days and forty nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water. He wrote on the tables the words of the covenant, the Ten Commandments. Now it was so when Moses came down from Mount Sinai, and the two tablets, the testimony, were in Moses' hand, and when he came down from the mountain, that Moses did not know that the skin of his face shone while he talked with him. He, he was glowing, physically glowing. What did he see? A little peace of the glory of God. They, they were afraid of him. And we would be too. First Chronicles 29, 11. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory. Any glory that's on this earth goes to God. Any joy on this earth is from God. Anything that's bright or happy or lovely, any, anything that's pleasing, anytime when you sing one of these beautiful songs and the hairs just stand up, it's from God. Everything that's good. And it belongs to Him. The power and the glory is yours. The victory and the majesty for all that is in heaven and in earth is yours. I want to tell you something tonight. You are God's. You're not your own. You belong to Him. He created you because He loves you. And you were made to glorify Him. You were made to long for Him. To be with Him. And live a life that gives joy and happiness to God. And what a glory it is. How little we can do to show what He deserves. He says, for all that is in heaven and earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all. Both riches and honor come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. And in your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. God is so glorious and so powerful. In the book of Revelation, chapter 1, verse 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice as of a trumpet, saying, I am Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, and what you see, write in a book, and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamos, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia, to Laodicea, then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me, and having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. 
His head and hair were white like wool, as white as snow, his eyes like a flame of fire. His feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword. His countenance was like the sun shining in his strength, and when I saw him... I fell at his feet as dead. Do you think if Jesus walked in tonight, you would run and ask for his autograph? I will tell you what we would do. We would fall at his feet and beg forgiveness. We would ask for strength and help. We would praise him. We would weep and beg. That's his power. And there ain't a man on earth who wouldn't do it. There's not a woman on earth who wouldn't do that. You know what? John didn't really see this. He wasn't really there. It's a vision. A vision. And that's the power of God's glory. Number three. The glory of God shames the wicked. 1 Timothy 6, verse 16, Who alone has immortality, dwelling in the unapproachable light, who no man has seen or can see, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. God is righteous. And we've talked about this a little bit all week. God is holy, and He's righteous altogether. And we, we don't understand that. We, we don't understand complete holiness and true holiness. We're all flawed in some way. We all sin. We've all fallen short of the glory of God and brought shame on ourselves in some way. We've never one of us lived as we should. Do you realize that throughout the entire span of the existence of the earth, because today on the face of the earth there's about 8 billion people. I don't know how many billions and billions and billions have lived. One has lived a sinless life. Jesus. And His glory shames the wicked. Luke 5 verse 1, So it was as the multitude pressed about Him to hear the word of God that He stood by the lake of Gennesaret. Now, Gennesaret's the same as Galilee. It's also called Tiberias. It's the Sea of Galilee that He's talking about here. So Jesus is there. And saw two boats standing by the lake, but the fishermen had gone from them and were washing their nets. Then he, this is Jesus, got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the multitudes from the boat. Wouldn't it have been wonderful to have been there and heard him teach on this lake from the boat? When he had stopped speaking, he says to Simon, this is Simon Peter, launch out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. But Simon answered and said, Master, we have toiled all the night and caught nothing. He's kind of like me and Paul Kevin. We fish and we don't catch much. Jay comes right behind us and catches, catches, catches. Don't go fishing with Jay. Okay? You're, you're not going to feel good about yourself. Lord, we've fished all night. He's a professional fisherman. He wasn't no amateur. He wasn't a hobby. That's what he did. We fished all night. There's no fish out there. 
That's what the Lord asked him to do, so that's what he does. Nevertheless, at your word, I will let down the net. And when they had done this, they caught a great number of fish. And their net was breaking. So they signaled to their partners in the other boats to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so they began to sink. And when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I'm a sinful man, O Lord. You know what Jesus, what Jesus did to Peter? He crushed his heart. You want to know what he crushed his heart with? A boatload of fish. That's the glory of God. I don't deserve to be around you. I, sh I shouldn't be here and see this because I'm a sinful man. And sin oughtn't to come into the presence of the Lord. You're holy and you're righteous and it's just not right to even be in the same room. And witness that. And you know what? Peter's a pretty good man. I, th I think he was impetuous. He, he couldn't swing a sword very good. Matthew 24, 30. Then the Son of Man will appear in heaven, and then all tribes of the earth will mourn. And they will see the Son of Man coming in the clouds of heaven with power and great glory. There's a day coming when Jesus is going to return and all people will mourn. You know, I saw a lady at a funeral just not too long ago. Her mother had died. And you know how funerals go. The service was coming to an end. The casket was rolled to the back and the funeral director opened it and she began to wail grief ran to the back and fell on that casket and grieved and cried and sobbed and I didn't hardly know what to do I looked at the funeral director and it, all people will mourn because the Holy One comes because the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords will come in great glory Revelation 6, verse 12, I looked when he opened the sixth seal, and behold, there was a great earthquake. The sun became black as sackcloth of hair. The moon became like blood. The stars of heaven fell to the earth as a fig tree drops its late figs when it is shaken by a mighty wind. Then the sky receded as a scroll when it is rolled up, and every mountain and island moved out of its place. And the kings of the earth, and the great men, and the rich men, the commanders, the mighty men, every slave, every free man, hid themselves in the caves, in the rocks of the mountains, and said to the mountains and the rocks, Fall on us and hide us from the face of Him who sits on the throne, from the wrath of the Lamb, for the great day of His wrath has come, and who is able to stand? God's glory shames the sinful. God's glory shames the sinful. And I learned this, the glory of God will be revealed in you. Because you know what? God welcomes the righteous. The sinful He shames the right. Those washed in His blood he welcomes.
We've talked about this a little bit, especially last Sunday. God loves us. He died for us. He doesn't want you to be sinful. He died so that you can be washed and cleansed and not be sinful, but be holy and be pure, and you can walk each day in the light of His Word, and you can walk each day as a Christian. And if we walk in the light as He is in the light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you. And He welcomes that. He welcomes the day that He can have you and hold you and love you. 1 Corinthians 15, verse 20, But now Christ is risen from the dead and has become the firstfruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death, by man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. What was destroyed by Satan in the garden, what Adam lost, will be fully restored in Christ. And this has been the plan of God from the beginning. He says in John 5, 28, Do not marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves will hear His voice and come forth. So we talked about this last night some. He says, Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. A day of life is coming. People will be raised to live. The dead will be given life. And this resurrection that's coming is a resurrection of life. Because we all live a life of death. As soon as you sin, you're dead and you're separated from God. And praise God that through the gospel we can have a new birth and be washed in His blood and live. And someday we're going to grow old and die. Someday we're going to go to the grave and there's going to be a resurrection of life. There's also a resurrection of condemnation. 1 Corinthians 15, beginning in verse 51, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet. For the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised incorruptible. And we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption. And this mortal must put on immortality. He's describing a great change that's going to happen in a moment. That he's going to come from heaven and the trumpet will sound and will be raised and changed. From dead to alive. From stinking, rotten, dead, sinful to glorious. To alive. To cannot die. Corruptible is what's going to be buried. And what's coming up is incorruptible. And I want you to understand this is God's plan. That we must go the way Jesus went. And if we live long enough, we'll die. And we're going to be in the ground. And this body is going to decay because it's corruptible and mortal. But one day, through His glory, He's going to give us a new body. 
a live body. Verse 54, So when this corruptible has put on incorruption, and this mortal has put on immortality, then shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death is swallowed up in victory. You know what we say all the time? At church, at home, we say a name on the prayer list. They're fighting cancer. Fighting. And they fight. We fight. We fight it. They've had a stroke. They're fighting us. They're fighting it. They got Alzheimer's. They're fighting Alzheimer's. You know what no one ever says? They're fighting death. Can't fight it. What can you do? We can't fight it. Postpone it. I mean, you jog, eat your lettuce, all that. Live as long as you can. You'll be in a socialist nursing home. I mean, think it through. You can't fight it. Death won't be just put away, whipped a little, swallowed up. Over. No more death. Just life. Death is swallowed up in victory. That's the glory of God. Oh, death, where's your sting? Oh, Hades, where's your victory? And nobody says that today. So we're going to go to the cemetery. We're going to weep and cry because we're going to feel the sting that brings death. Because the sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. And that's what's coming. And maybe it's a million years away. I have no idea. But one day death will be swallowed up. It will be completely overtaken and destroyed. 2 Thessalonians 1 verse 7. To you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with His mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. A time of separation is coming and if you haven't obeyed the gospel, you're out you had your chance you had your opportunity if you don't obey the gospel Jesus coming and it won't be pretty and we talked about it all last night you're going to stand before God they'll open the books he says these shall be punished with everlasting destruction now listen carefully from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of His power. And that day's coming. That day's coming when we'll all meet in the air and we're going to go to the great judgment seat of Jesus. And I want to tell you, my friend, names are going to be called. And it's not going to be good. Paul Henderson, come, ye cursed. Depart from me, 
for I never knew you. David Lane, come, ye cursed, and depart. Stanley Marshall, come, depart, ye cursed. And that's it. You're not going to see any more glory. You're not going to witness anything else. You're going to go and descend into the lake of fire. Now I want to keep reading the next passage. When he comes, that's Jesus, in that day to be glorified in his saints. Jesus is coming to be glorified in his saints. Not because we're great. Not because we've really done a great job. Because he has died for us. He has sacrificed of us. He has washed us in his blood. He has redeemed us and cleansed us. And what a blessed day it will be. A day of joy. A day of wonder. A day when we'll stand and all the righteous will be gathered. And there will be nothing left that's evil. There'll be no one angry. There'll be no one sad. There'll be no one sick, tired, lonely, depressed. Everyone who's there is going to see the greatest event of all time. And he's going to call names. And he's going to say, Lyle Miller, come you blessed. Inherit a kingdom prepared for you. you see. He's going to say, Helen and Till, come you blessed. And he's going to bless life. You see. That's what he's going to say. Detail, come you blessed. And those names are going to be called. Charles Mooney, come, you blessed, you see. And God will be glorified, and Jesus will be glorified. Not because these are terrific, outstanding people, because His will has been done, and Satan has been defeated. And those who love God, and have chosen to name the name of Jesus, and be buried with Him in baptism, and serve Him, and work for the kingdom, are going to meet their reward through Jesus. When he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints. Now listen. To be admired in, among all those who believe. We're going to see him and admire him just the way Moses wanted to. We'll get to be there. You can be there. At the greatest event of all time. He goes on to say this. Therefore, we also pray always for you that God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of His goodness and the work of faith with power, that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and you in Him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you worthy? Will you be there? 
or will you here depart? What a beautiful day that will be when we can stand with Jesus made perfect and completely holy. Will you be there or will you be left out? You need to make your choice today, right now. Change your eternity as we sing.